But Darlene, tell me how you've been. Hi, Lydia. Hi, everybody that's out there. Sorry, I've missed you all for a while. And um, I've been good. Obviously, there's been lots of things happening in everybody's lives in the world and just all kinds of stuff. So it's nice to take a breath, be back together, be back to see everybody that joins us. And um, Lydia just shared with me that today, um, the topic is going to be freedom from fear. Is that what we said? Resilience, resilience and freedom from fear, because the world seems to be going through a malaise, a kind of a, a dark time. And I know there's a solution to this, and we have to really grab our tools and help people. Absolutely. I mean, yesterday, I had a crying fit. I cried almost all day over my mother's death, some diagnosis that I found out she had before she died a year ago, and then the, the body, the genocide in Ukraine. And I could not get out of it until I went to a meeting and the solution was right there. And it was that I can't carry the world on my shoulders. I can only do, you know, I love a serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to, to accept the things I cannot change. The That's wisdom correct. to change the things I can. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. And it's, it's about all we can do. Otherwise, our sadness does not help the world, but there's another way to help the world. And Absolutely. I really, really dig in deep yesterday on this. So I want to hear what your feelings are about everything going on in your life. Well, and how do you, you jump know, out I, of here? Well, I can tell you that as far as all the world situations and our national situations, I look at it and I think, you know what? I didn't cause it. I didn't create it. And I can't control it. That's God's job. This is this is all the higher power and everything happens for a reason. Although when it's chaotic, I step back sometimes and I'm like, I, I don't get it. And I'll give you a good example. Um, I recently just returned from the Dominican Republic. And so I went down there and, you know, obviously you're going to a beautiful area, beautiful palm trees, crystal clear blue water, like aqua, just stunning environment, right? And I went on an excursion into the jungle and that was about two hours from where I was located. And to get to the excursion, I had to go through the actual cities that where people live and the poverty level is horrendous. I mean, I saw what, what we in America see on TV about multiple families living in a small hut and that type of thing. I witnessed it up close and personal. And I sat there and I really thought about that. I really prayed about that because I was like, what's the disparity? How, how does this work that you have those groups of people and then you have people that are very ultra wealthy and, and how, how is it 95% of the people are impoverished, right? And one of the things that I learned talking to the local people was that they pilgrimage, especially this time of year during the Holy Week. Some of these folks will walk 10 to 20 miles to go to church. And they are so close and they're so happy and they're always excellente. When you ask them how they are, they're excellente. And I'm standing there going, now what am I missing that I have so many luxuries really? And sometimes I'm just living in fear we're living in anger, we're not being grateful. And I thought that's an internal start. You know, fear is 
fear is something that we internally breed because there is no such thing. Right. Fear is false evidence appearing real. That's correct. It's, it's, it's not real. You know, it's in our head. Almost That's everything right. is anyway, by the way. That's right. You know, Joyce, Joyce Myers wrote a book. Um, and in that book, she said, where the mind goes, the man follows. And that is such an awesome statement, in my opinion. Um, because what we think about is what we become. You and I talk. It's whatever we have in our viewfinder becomes our reality. Your that's right. Creates your reality, obviously. That's right. Positive okay. thoughts. You know, if you really had a lobotomy and had just were in a, on a beach all day eating donuts, that would be your reality. You wouldn't even know there was this going on in the world. But yeah, we have first world problems. We have, you and I have advanced, I call it first world problems. Almost all of us in the United States have first world problems. There is poverty here, but we have a democ democratic government we don't want to lose. Thank mm -hmm. God we don't have an authoritarian government. But yeah, because right. those folks there, they don't have any type of help. And, you know, they don't have any governmental help. They, you know, they rely on family and themselves. And it's just amazing to see the love. I mean, it really, truly is. But, you know, when it comes to, because that was, that was foreign to me to go to somewhere and see people walking around with machine guns. That was oh, totally you foreign. You hadn't been, have you ever been to Mexico? I have not. I used to go to Mazatlan for spring break or, or Cabo. And we always go through the villages where there would be huts and people living in five families to a small little, you know, it was like that for years. And a lot of, I don't know, I saw that a long time ago and it's never really changed, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's really, I mean, it really gave me something to sit down and think about. And like I, like I said, just a few minutes ago, what we think about really is important. And I also think right now, I mean, I don't know how many folks we have out there that are into astrology and astronomy and stuff like that. But right now there is, um, we're actually going to have two eclipses, one on April 30th and one on May 15th. And they're very large eclipses. And one of them hasn't happened for like 156 years. And any, any, any person involved with, um, astronomy is saying it's a really big world shift a huge world shift and there was another and this was this is why it caught my attention they said there was another big shift around 2004 not as big as what we're going to be having but there was a shift in 2004 where a lot of things changes changed and that's when my life changed that's when that's that was my sobriety date that's when really? I really that's when everything in my life changed was 2004 mm-hmm yeah. And I thought about that and I'm thinking, I wonder if that's like tied into that or, you know, I like to, I like to um, think on those things and ponder because I think the more that you ponder and look at life, the more answers come. The answer is always in the search, right? You have to be looking at the right, the right, you know, I was thinking about when the, in the eye of a storm, it's very still. And that's a great metaphor for what's going on in the world right now. When you go to your center, the core, where everything is the kingdom of heaven is within you it really is it's it's within all of us it's the love within all of us that's where i call i call god mm -hmm. it's not out there it's not up in the sky it's not astrology or the occult or psychics I, I i believe those things are fun but i think exploring the wrong down going down the wrong rabbit hole if you stay with the inner wisdom which is the highest truth and it's usually the softest most gentle voice the voice that tells you that the world is beautiful, 
that people are kind because mm -hmm. that's the essence of what good orderly direction is if you want to call you know god to me is simply love but it is the great goodness and if you're really questioning and you decide to go down a rabbit hole of QAnon or some conspiracy theory, you can get really screwed up. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these are all the wrong answers. They look like they're good. They're good on the outside. But whenever I ask a question, I'm in turmoil and I get very still. And I ask my highest self, what's the answer? It's a very soft, gentle answer. It's never guilt or shame or regret. Those don't come from God. So, I mean, just let's be careful not, you know, seeking too many outside things. And I do agree with that. And maybe my wording was wrong because I get those two things confused and are totally different. But astronomy, astronomy and yeah, astronomy is the planets, which is then the stars and all of that. Yeah. So yeah. these two eclipses coming up. So excuse my, no, my no, no. There. but I do, you know, I, I'm obviously not that educated in that realm. And um, so I get those words confused. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of like the meteorologist. You're right 50% of the time, right? It's like, it doesn't. Well, you know, you're right about astronomy. The tides are changing. They discovered new planets. It's an infinite universe. Instead of being afraid of it, it's fun to explore. And NASA and um, if there's so much to explore. You're, I mean, I just don't believe in the stars telling our destiny. But in a way, if you believe that, it might even actually work for you. I'm not mm -hmm. putting down astronomy, astrology. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. But yeah, no, so the fear part of things, I mean, I just think that everybody right now, especially as we're going through the tail end of the pandemic, I mean, that was really something that we, and at least me in my lifetime, have never experienced something that shut down the world the way that that virus did and how it spread across the world. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting. I was just talking to... A friend of mine yesterday, I did not realize that her son, I had no idea, I hadn't been in touch with her for a while, but in June of last year, her son, who's about 50, 50 years old, got COVID and he didn't fare so well with it. He is now on dialysis three days a week. He's living with her because he can't go up all the steps that he has to go up to get to his own house with his wife. Um, he, he's just not doing well. All these, he had like six months in the hospital. And so we can all have that fear about what if, what if, what's going to happen? But, you know, it takes us by surprise. He was, he was a police officer. He was in shape. He worked out. Who would have thought? He didn't have any immune disorder or any pre-existing condition. Wow. Mm -hmm. See, mm -hmm. that's what's weird about this COVID. I think in a weird way, if there's going to be any symbolism behind it, it's that we all have to take care of each other and be aware that each one of us has a different reaction. Absolutely. And that just protect you, the golden rule, simply wear a mask. I mean, last Saturday night, two weeks ago, I went, I don't want to interrupt your story. I want to get back to that. But we went to a premiere at the Pasadena Playhouse to see Aunt Holland Taylor, who was so funny in Two and a Half Men. She played Charlie Sheen's mother. Um, she, she did Governor Ann Richards in a one-woman show, a play about this amazing Texas governor. And afterwards, there was a party, and they had a vaccination you had to be vaccinated to go to the thing, but they weren't really checking. And we didn't wear a mask because it felt stupid to wear a mask in the crowd. Everyone else was wearing one. And I started to do that thing where I, I don't want to be the weirdo wearing the mask, but I do have to protect Larry because he has an immune disorder. And 
you know, I wore it on the red carpet a little bit when I took it off to do my microphone interviews and stuff. And they were, everybody was sharing the same microphone. I got scared. A few days later, I woke up with, well, I couldn't breathe at all. And I did go to the emergency room last Wednesday. And I was sure I had it. I've never had COVID yet. And luckily they did two tests, no COVID. But I had bronchitis and it's just, you know, so I did all the proper things, but we have to stay safe because we have a little baby in our family and his father got COVID and he had to isolate for 10 days. So you never know. We don't know how it affects people. You were lucky. Mm -hmm. You had it and you were really lucky. Yeah, I know. And you know what though? I guess, I mean, if you want to say luck, but I, I also believe that it's, it's a lot in how, since I've, you know, since I was 28 years old, which was a while ago, I've always watched what I've eaten. I, I, I eat relatively clean. I work out every day. I take care of myself. I know where my numbers are at as far as blood pressure and pulse. And I, and I really, I take vitamins to supplement, um, always have. So I was taking vitamin C and D and all that way before COVID ever came into existence. So maybe I, maybe I was prepared. My cellular level was prepared because I had to fight. My body fought. I mean, I had a couple days of not, not really being well. And my body was really fighting that 102.5 temperature. But in the end, it was able to, you know, pull it off. It took about four weeks for me to get back to my normal routine of doing what I did. So that's a pretty long time. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, so I think it's real important to tell people, I mean, don't freeze with fear, but be proactive with your life as far as eating right and maintaining your health. And, you know, of course, no smoking and watch how much you drink and all of those good things, you know, that because they're toxins, they're toxins to our bodies. I know that a lot of people don't believe in the vaccine. I mean, I, we got vaccinated and we're happy. But I understand, I really do understand people who are afraid of the vaccine. I don't want to condemn them. In fact, I want to stay out of the business of, of judging anyone anymore for anything. Mm. We, we're all on this path of learning. A lot of us are veering off. Eventually, the truth always comes out. Love always rises. We always somehow make it through. I know we will. It's not the end of the world. But we're here to learn how to take care of each other and love each other. But we do go through some wacky stuff. I mean, I don't know. I felt as if there was a journalist that died yesterday at a young age, 57, in a bike accident. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I wonder what his mindset has been. I do believe you can armor yourself and protect yourself with, the thought, with God's thoughts, with the thoughts of love. And if you stay up in that higher realm, I do believe you're less likely to go down that rabbit hole and live in fear where fear starts to attract you can get in trouble when you're constantly afraid and paranoid and you can make yourself, your emotions can have, have a lot to do with your health. Don't you think? Absolutely. And that's like, that's how this ever, this is how this originated for me. How God shots originated was the seashells I found on the beach. And the major one I found said, release your fears. And tell, me, tell us that story. Tell us how you found the seashells. The seashells. <laughs> well, I mean, it was just only eating truffles. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, you know, no, it was just one of those days. And I truly believe that the answer is in the search. When I say that, I don't say that lightly. I've what had too many that the search. What do you mean? I mean that when you have a question 
whether you're questioning your higher power, whether you're questioning something in your own life, whether you're questioning what to do with a job or take a job, leave a job, family members. I believe that when you search and you search inside, like you said, in prayer, in meditation, because we got to remember prayer is talking to God. Prayer is simply telling, turning our wishes and our thoughts to God, higher power, whatever somebody chooses to call that entity universe. I mean, it has multiple names, right? Yeah. Um, It's, it's, it's all encompassing. It can't be encompassed by one name in the Bible to Moses, the burning bush. When Moses said, who should I say is sending me? The voice said, I am. That's that simple. I am. Okay. Now this is interesting. Now I want to tell the audience that Darlene comes from a more um, religious background and I come from a secular where I believe God is simply love. And I'm, I've had some, some actual spine tingling things I call miracles now because they're so mind blowing and I want to find out how they happened. And I'm beginning to understand that like Einstein said, nope, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. And I don't believe in the religious God as much as God is love, but now I'm beginning to think it all comes together. And you're teaching me a lot about that too. It doesn't matter what we call it. It It's not about about religion because people, I mean, I learned that from my own experience. Yeah. I mean, a religion, a denomination, if you will, you can be Nazarene, you can be Christian, you can be Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Jewish, Muslim, you can, you name it, you can do it. You know, like I have the Quran upstairs that I read. Yeah, I, I have that. Kabbalah. I, I have a, a whole I Kabbalah. So, I mean, I've looked at all of it. I've written a chapter in a nursing book that is used by nursing students across the world um, by trees. And I did the spirituality chapter. And so there's so much to it. It's not about religion. It's about spirituality, right? And I don't necessarily come from, I mean, I come from a religious background because of my parents and the way I was raised. You have great wisdom. You have great wisdom about the Bible, which I I don't have as much. I do. And I've, but I've read the Bible. You know what? I never did as a child and I wish I would have. And I'm going to tell you why it's, if you take those words, Bible, basic information before leaving earth, (laughs) I love that. but, but I mean, think about it. And so when I became intrigued, and like I said, the answer's in the search, right? So when my life was falling apart and I had nowhere else to turn, like I had alienated a lot of people, people were tired of my shenanigans. Um, I I just wasn't that great of a person, you know? It was kind of like, I used people for what I wanted. I mean, I'm just gonna tell you guys straight out the way it was because shame on me. But when I started figuring out that I was for some reason, I had everything. I had a nice car, a nice house, a husband at the time, life was good. And yet I felt empty and bankrupt on the inside. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? (laughs) You know, this makes no sense. And so when I started, because somebody said to me, you know, the Bible is the greatest book ever written, right? And, and, And the big book really comes straight from the Bible, to be honest with you. And they're like, have you ever read it? And I'm like, why would I read it? I can't understand the these, the thous, the thuses. It's just too much for me. They said, well, get an elementary version and read it. So I did. I got an application study Bible and I read it. And they said, read it from cover to cover. It's a book. It's a textbook. Read it. And when I read it, it all started making sense. And I was just like, 
I wish somebody would have told me to read this when I was about 12. Yeah. My decisions would have been so much different coming up through my teenage years. Yeah, they really would have. Um, and I'm getting it much later in life. It's like a cosmic joke. I always laugh and I tell God, I said, seriously, like you're letting me get this stuff when I'm like close to dead. <laughs> like, like I don't run as fast as I used to and anything like that, but it's truly an amazing book. So anyway, yeah, it's, there's a part in there where, where God simply says, I am. So he is all encompassing of all religions, all nationalities, all backgrounds. I am that that's how so I pray by say I, I call prayer the invisible transfer of love to another or to yourself or to the situation. When you shine love on a problem, solutions actually come up that come out of thin air. They do weird things happen. The door door opens, the phone rings. Money came out of nowhere one day when I was at my wit's end in a desperate mm -hmm. situation. And it's because I surrendered my my self-will, my frantic worry. It's not, it's not easy to do that. I had to actually just scream out, help me if there is a God or, or just relax. It's like mm -hmm. surrender and take a breath and go, okay, I can't do this alone. If there is any power out there that created this beautiful universe, I need help. And oddly enough, when you really do do that, it's, it's you're right. Everything starts to go, starts to shift. The right thing will happen for you. It doesn't mean it's what you want. Mm -hmm. it's usually the better thing the better thing for you yeah but when you say i am that's why i'm saying when i beg and plead for my way that's not prayer it's the the great i am is that we're in the soup we're in the ocean of love we're mm -hmm. swimming in it god is it, we're in it right we and are in i it. am is here already so we have to see our enemy and the people we're most afraid of and let's say putin and let's say the people that we're most in fear of as being divinely guided by that great I am love, because they too have, they too are, are swimming in this soup. <laughs> it sounds really bad, but we all I, are. We're all made in the image of God, each one of us. We're made in the image. So when I but, do that, it lifts the problem. Mm -hmm. it, I've seen actual results happen, even from afar. It's very weird. I've seen arguments break up. Yes. And I stop looking at them as, as bad people. I can't keep judging them. But I well, do you know, it. I've been a real asshole the past couple of years judging everybody. And well, you know, I got to tell you what, when I when I go into the prisons and, and I visit with people, right? I love that. It, I, I get very interesting conversations because I can tell you that a man said this to me and it was one of the wisest things I've ever heard. And I keep it very close to my heart. And it's like, you are one choice. He looked at me. You're one choice away from being me. So true. It is so true. I'm one every choice we make. Homeless, drunk, and losing everything. It's true. Every, every choice we make. And it's kind of like, so when you see somebody, and I, and I thought the same thing about Osama bin Laden. When you think, when you think of, and, and I don't mean any disrespect to anyone when I say this, but when you think about what he masterminded, and how he could create, you know, people to be able to fly airplanes and to have this so synchronized and everything that went on in this thing. The man was obviously brilliant, brilliant, but he took that brilliance that God gave him as a gift and used it towards evil. Exactly. And we all have those choices to make every single day. And so I try every, listen, I make it really simple guys for whoever's listening. Because if I try to complicate my life, 
I get confused and that's a yeah. to be. But you know what? Every day my prayer is, God, take me where you want me to go. Have me meet who you want me to meet. Have me say what you want me to say and keep me out of your way. End of prayer. Because it's now like- I, I, like, I like take the cotton out of my ears and put it in my mouth. That's yeah. my- yeah, there you go. I mean, anything to get us from self-will, self-will run riot. And, and it's always like we think about us before we think about others. And if we reverse that, and it's just the law, it's financial law. It's it's the same thing. The more you give away, the more you're going to get. Oh my and God. You want to hang on to it, you're going to lose it. Wayne yeah. Dyer had it has a Wayne Dyer who's so brilliant. God bless him. He um he said that if you tithe. If you actually give from your heart, 10% of whatever you earn or whatever you have, mm-hmm. you'll get back threefold, sixfold, every like clockwork, you would get back a residual check or a royalty check or money would come in the mail because he gave so freely. It wasn't like, I'm going to give just to receive. The more you give, the more you receive. It's actually the truth about the circle of life. And that is true. And we try to, and as human beings, then we're back to the fear, right? We're back yeah. to the fear. We're back to the fear of if I have $10 and I tithe two or three, that's only going to leave me seven. Will I survive? Will I be able to pay my bills? What's going to happen? And we get in that fear mode. And so then we hang on to it and we don't give it away. We do the same thing with clothes, jewelry, money. It doesn't matter. Stuff. We, We hang on to stuff. And I've never seen anybody yet die and take stuff with them. Right. And I look around and, you know, here, here's another thing. What's that? can't take it with you the famous you know what and we think that i don't know for what and i'm I'm the worst i'm the worst offender i mean i think that if i hang on to it one day i'm going to wear it or one day i'm going to use it and and those days never come and somebody else that could be their treasure what i'm hanging on to is just hanging on to it right oh my god and even even to the point of life and i finally have reached peace i know that i talked on this show once because some people were writing in about the situation with my son And I have a beautiful son who turned 40 in January. I have not got to speak to him since August 25th of 2021. I contacted him for birthday, Christmas, New Year's, all of it, and nothing, nothing back. And I finally let it go. I finally realized that this this too, as bad as this seems to me, is part of God's divine plan. There is something that's happening for my son, my daughter-in-law, my grandchildren, as well as me, that God is working on. And he has to keep us separate while he's doing it. And I finally have peace with that. It's like, okay. And so the gift I got was I found out that my youngest son is having a baby in June. So wonderful. Yeah. So it's very, so you know what, that doesn't take the place of the family that's not talking to me. But you know what? You've got to look at the gifts that you're being given. You've got to look at what you have and what God gives you versus what you don't have. Because when we stay stuck on what we don't have, it just gets worse. And then we become fixated. Exactly. That, that's the key. In, in, in my constant obsession with the news and the war and the genocide and the, this economic strife and the gas prices, and it's, it's getting me, it's, it's making me, it's crushing me. Okay. This is not the way to live. And it's true that the seed of beauty, it propagates, it's quantum. Uh, Anne Lamott talked about it yesterday saying, for me to appreciate the beautiful spring day, 
if it's true that chaos theory that a butterfly flaps its wings where I am and it changes the weather in China, every single thing we do that's good today, one little good move propagates. It sends shockwaves to the universe. If we're all doing something yes. good in our own little sphere, if we're just appreciating what we have and not fighting anyone and not judging anyone and not hurting anyone, we're adding to life. Life mm -hmm. is in session. And I, just want to I love that. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That that was a great saying. Life is in session. I like that. Um, I had a huge revelation after talking to a really good friend of mine last week, and I'm gonna have we're gonna have her on the show one of these days, and I'm not gonna say her name yet. She's gone through eight months of chemo and radiation, mm. and she says cancer is the best thing that ever happened to her because she wakes up every day grateful, like grateful to be alive. All her little petty plans are out the window and she's just like living this brand new rebirth. And it, this woman is amazing. She has an amazing spirit and I love her so much, but she really turned my day around last week. I was bitching about some stupid thing. that's a first world problem, you know, really dumb. I mean, I, I really am blessed. Even though three years ago, I went through tremendous hardship and almost lost everything and really was hanging by my nails. But always when I turn to this love, when I turn it over to God, let go, and I let the universe carry me, and I just say, show me the next move, inevitably I'm led to a better place, a better everything, better relationship, a better house, a better home, you know, I mean, everything fixed itself. And you're right about the bad things that happened. There's a seed of something good in there. Um, you know, with your son, what you said is so true because you're going to make that. That's the alchemy. You're thinking that is actually the trigger that will make that happen with an interactive universe. And I always, and you know, and this is what I'll say too. You know, there was a beginning part of this where, you know, you become very emotional, you become very angry, you have all the feelings, you become very fearful, all of the, the gamut of feelings, right? Until I finally somehow the universe brought me to this sense of peace and peace and understanding that this is how it has to be. It only happens if it has to happen that way. It, nothing is happen chance. It, it, it happens for a reason, right? And so we don't know, necessarily know those reasons, but if we believe that God is love or good, good orderly direction, however you want to think about it, and if we trust that, then it will always be okay. Right. And so it somehow now at this point, I know that it will be okay. And one of the things that have been, has been coming to me was because I have no rhyme or reason for this situation. Like rationally, I can't, right. I can't pull up a piece of paper and said, well, this happened or that happened, but I can, as I'm setting back and just allowing time to go by, I can see that this, this man that's now 40, that's very successful and has his own family, had a pretty rough time between the ages of five and eight because of me, because of his father and me, because of a divorce situation, because of all of the things that would cause him fear at that very tender young age that is probably buried someplace in his primal brain where he doesn't even know what's causing the anger for him, right? And, and so then... And, and here's what I want to say to that. So that saying that we always have, and I'll show you guys, if I'm pointing my finger at you, 
Yeah. I've got three pointing back at me, right? That's right. So even, even in this situation with him, if I want to point my finger at him and say, you're my son, this is disrespectful. I'm your mother. You should be blah, 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 blah. There's still three <laughs> fingers pointing back at me. So why don't I work on me and let God work on him and me and work it out to the best, highest good? You know, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Let's see that. And that came from you seeking. You said searching. I love the word seeking. If I seek, if I seek this great power that I know exists because I've had, I can't explain these miracles I've had. I can't, I have to pinch myself to believe they really happen. They really happen. There's some stuff that you cannot believe. And one day you and I are going to put it in a book, but, um, and I have it in a, in a small book, God shots, but we're going to do the big book where we put in everyone. We're going to collect I can't wait. Other yes. Other yeah. people's God shots. Because there's no denying it exists, but only when you choose to seek it out. The mm -hmm. universe is interactive. It needs playmates. It wants to show off for us, but we're never grateful enough or present enough to appreciate the moment we're in. Because we're exactly. always one foot in the future worrying or one foot in the past regretting or kvetching or bitching or reading the news and taking our mind out of the precious moment into a terrible alternate reality that we don't need to be paying attention to that much. I mean, I can hold good thoughts for Ukraine and pray for everyone. Absolutely. But I right now, I'm powerless over fixing it, except to shine love on it and to send them love. Right. And, and I think that all people across the United States are pulling together and, and packing, um, packing up items to send to them, blankets, food, clothing, all of that, you know. I mean, I know that all churches are coming together and pulling together and sending stuff and people like Red Cross and all that is helping. And we're so helping them. But, you know, I got to say this to you. And here we go again, folks, back to the um, the spiritual religious part and, and Lydia and I working together. So you probably don't know this, but in the Bible, there's a passage that says, ask, seek, knock, and it will be given unto you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so that's 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 where I come that's where my searching comes from I ask I seek and I knock and that's where the prayer meditation comes to so just and I have a hard time with meditation because I, I it's hard for me to shut my brain off but yeah. this is this is how I explain it to my students and anybody else I'm always like a prayer is merely your thoughts and wishes turned upward but when you set and you quiet and you just don't think and you let those thoughts just float by that's meditation so when you're praying you're talking to god and when you're meditating you're listening and that listening is where the answer comes and that's the hardest part it's listening you're right it's it, listening mm -hmm. is meditation. so and daniel's on with us he's awesome. sitting in there i want you guys to meet online okay cool he's got so much wisdom as well and he's in recovery too that's not a requirement for this kind of a Godshot show, but we just all have these amazing experiences. Um, Daniel, can you get your camera going? Oh, there you are. Hi. Say hi to Darlene. I think he's trying. Okay, whatever. When you're ready. Um, I wanted to read you something I, I found because I was so upset over Putin that I found this. When we deny reality to barbaric thoughts, we are not shutting our eyes to the false belief that they exist and are apparently manifested in bestial acts. Rather, we are taking a step toward destroying them. 
by exposing and denouncing both thoughts and acts as contrary to God's law of good. We help the miscreant get free. We, we, we destroy evil, disbelief in error, destroys error, and leads to the discernment of truth. This does not mean that we're blind to the terrible barbaric acts going on in the world, on the human scene. We focus on the spiritual fact that the qualities of the divine mind, truth, love, God, must inevitably and invariably be represented in God's offspring. We're reflections of, of the great goodness. And therefore, evil has less power the less we focus on it and the less we give it power and, and attention. We breathe life into evil by fighting our enemies tit for tat. That's true. It's like, I love that quote, withdraw your attention from your enemies and they expire from neglect. It doesn't mean we ignore evil. We don't give it the body. It's, it's not, the liar is the serpent. It's Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Truth is real. Truth has substance in history. The big lie doesn't. No lie has any power. And eventually it's always revealed. So anyway, I'm speaking in a really antiquated way, but. No, I like that. I did, I did. I really like that. And I like it's to tie in things I'm learning from the Bible. I don't know the Bible very well. And I come from a much more spiritual background. Like, and, and you, you have much more wisdom in the, in the biblical sense, but I love that when you join them together, they all make so much sense for practical application of how to get through life. You know, well, the so only reason, very, you know, you, you say that, but you know, just, just for the listeners to understand something the only reason that I set where I set today and I know what I know is because back in 2000, probably 11, when I started, well, no, it was before that 2006, when I started, you know, into the doctoral program um, and I was doing theology as well as nursing. And so they just were kind of going hand in hand as I was, as I was coming up to um, do my project at the, at the end of at my tenure at University of Alabama. Roll Tide, little, little shout out, <laughs> but, but um, so that, that's how I started reading everything. And, and, and for those of you listening out there that do know the Bible, and there's probably theologians that know it well better than I do, I will say that, uh, let's see, John, Matthew, Luke, Mark, those four books of the Bible, they're called synoptic gospels, right? Meaning that four different people wrote about the same events but like it would be like you seeing something me seeing the same thing but we write our versions and they're a little different right but it's kind of yeah. the same and honestly when I first started doing a theology class and we had to read those books and I called the professor who was a priest and I just said I, I think I have the wrong book or something happened doing printing or something he goes what's the matter and I said it, it just kind of looks the same like all four of these books look the same <laughs> <laughs> they're supposed to so i believe me when i started this journey i knew nothing nothing very I, i've been brought and so i've been brought so far you know and i'm just so grateful to be able to share this kind of um information and as a matter of fact last night i was out at dinner and i was eating with a woman her husband and her 13 year old daughter and a 13 year old right now is in a very confused world no, this, I feel so, oh my God, my heart goes yeah. out to young people like that. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, she's got it all going on, like all of that, you know, like the hormonal part, the, 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 um, 
Facebook and bullying part and trying to be be popular and all of this stuff. And the mom said, you know, would you be willing to come into the school to talk to the kids about vaping and the dangers of that? And I said, absolutely, I would, because they think it's cool. They're 13 and they think it's cool. And, And really what it is, is entirely dangerous because that's water vapor and you're sucking it into your lungs. And that's, it's got paraffin in it and all sorts of weird chemicals. It's worse than cigarettes. Yeah. And it can take in, I mean, if you've got water, think about that, that could grow bacteria. And I knew about a girl that was in um, college that ended up in the emergency room, ended up in the hospital for a couple of weeks. She had pneumonia, 19 spots in her lungs, 19 different spots caused from vaping. Yeah. So the kids are so confused with everything going on, you know? Oh my God. You just reminded me of what our mission has to be. We have to lift the world up and show that there's, where there's life, there's hope. Where there's still life, there's still hope. And young people, most of all, need to be, gosh, oh my God, when I think about them going to the dating world and learning how to like each other and then having Instagram butt models with those tiny waistlines and showing off their Kim Kardashian bodies, it's, it's very depressing. And I don't, I just, what do we do? I mean, we can't keep them off the internet. In a weird way, no, so I, yeah. I think we lead by example. And I think that by putting shows like this out there and talking about the real deal, I mean, this 13-year-old girl wanted to talk truth. She wanted to hear truth. Don't sugarcoat this. Don't try to tell me how to be or what to do. Just tell me the truth. And the truth for me was, if I would have known at 13 what I know now, my life would have been really different. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I'm you know, approaching happiness now. And it's, it took a long time to get here and to get rid of my ego. My ego was the biggest problem for years. And I see that on the world stage now with these world leaders. Yes. I always tell somebody who's puffed up by their ego. It's so unattractive. Mm-hmm. But ego is edging God out. E-G-O. Those are the acronyms. We, we love these corny acronyms, but. But it works. It works. Yeah. It's like selflessness. Be less selfish, less self-centered. Be less me, 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 me. And right. then you don't knock everyone over and the whole world isn't about you, you know? Well, you know, it's interesting because in Dr. Bob's house in Akron, Ohio, and for anybody that doesn't know, he was one of the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous with Dr. Bob. And he, tre- he was a physician and he treated a lot of people in his home and it's now open for tour. So a lot of people go there and tour it. But one of the things I noticed, because I'm only about an hour and a half from Akron, so I had the luxury of going to see this house. There was a book, there's a book in his bookshelf that was called The Art of Selfishness. And I snapped a picture of it. And it's from like 1930 or 1940 something. And I went on the internet to buy it. And that book is still like 50 or $60 to buy it. Okay. And, um I don't know the answer to that right off the top of my head. I'm sorry, because I never ordered it and I haven't read it, but it just popped into my brain because I think I might really, I mean, that's, that's my nudge from God. (laughs) My nudge from the judge is telling me you probably should order this book and try reading it because there's, there's an art to being selfish or selfless. You know, it's an art form. And what comes natural to me is selfishness. Oh, well, yeah, that's why I don't want the book. But I was thinking of Ayn Rand, whom I cannot stand. And I know a lot of people love Ayn Rand, but she was the 
she wrote a book called The Virtue of Selfishness and, you know, The Fountainhead and all these things about the modern American selfishness doctrine where we, it's all for me. And I'm, you know, it, it really doesn't work in our society. It doesn't really work. And it's, and she also wrote those books on speed. I found out she was a speed freak all her life when she was 80 or 90 years old. But I, I think his title, when he saw that book, was a facetious title. It was probably making fun because the art of selfishness is probably to do good for others because then you feel good, which mm -hmm. is kind of what the big book tells us to do. Right. You know? if, you get, if you get out of yourself and you start helping others, it's, it just changes the whole atmosphere. It changes the whole life. It changes everything about you and who you encounter. Oh, um, oh. you know what happened to me this year? I lost my, I told this on, on a, a show recently on Clubhouse. I lost my greedy uh, cutthroat ambition. I had that. I had that up to a couple of years ago where I had to get this thing done. These five projects I'm working on, my screenplay, my book. And I, I, I became a worker among workers again. I became a little bit more even. I lost my, the dread around it. And I began to say, what can I do to be of love and service? And then I lost my fear and a lot of the old agony started falling away. It's interesting. It mm -hmm. takes a while. I mean, I'm very stubborn. <laughs> I hear you on that. Me too. Me too. Um, yeah. So no, it's just, this has been, I mean, this is a really great topic whenever it just kind of runs into, because fear, if you let fear be your foundation, it, it will, it will rule your life and, and not in a good way. You know, you know what happens to your body, you tighten up and you get it in knots and you have stomach acid and, you know, everything in our body is, comes from our emotions, I believe. I mean, yeah. shake it out, take a deep breath and you can start your life over at any moment. Yeah, any minute. Yeah. And another thing that they always say to do too is ground yourself, you know, because people that smoke and I smoked, I'm an ex-smoker. So, so I get, I get the cigarettes and, and the joy in that. I don't know. Did you ever smoke, Lydia? Yeah, I smoked after I quit drinking. I began smoking like a chimney and then I gave that up in a surrender when my brother died and I quit. I never craved a cigarette again either, but. Oh, uh, would you like to hear my smoking story? Because that's not how it worked for me. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so for, for me, because the religion that I belong to is Catholic and um, you do Lent, you know, and you do it for 40 days and you give something up or you whatever. And so it's always like that big thing. Well, I'm not going to drink pop or I'm not going to eat chocolate or I'm going to eat bread. You know, it's all these things <laughs> to lose a couple pounds. And so I went to church. This, this happened three. So it, so it started in 2006. Right. And I had been sober at that point, like four years and it started and I went to church. I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm holier than thou going, what do you want me to give up God? And I heard it. I heard cigarettes. Right. And I thought, oh no, no, I, you know, I'm not going to do that. So I, I said, I won't give them up completely, but I'll only smoke a half a pack. So for those 40 days, I counted them out 10 cigarettes, 10 cigarettes, 10 cigarettes, solid smoke, right? Yeah. So that's that year. The next year comes and Lee, let me give up God. Once again, I hear cigarettes, right? Yeah. I'm not doing it. I said, but I'll go to church every day. I'll go to church every day for 40 days at 7.30 in the morning, but I'm not giving up cigarettes. And I did. I, I went to church every day for 40 days. So year three comes. Now we're on year three. And I'm already a nurse practitioner, right? And I go in there and I, I say it again. And I hear that same thing, cigarettes. And I, now I'm mad. 
I just, I just, you know, there's the ego and I'm like pissed off and I'm going, okay, I'm done. I, I'm not giving up anything. I don't care anymore. I'm not even going to play this stupid game. Okay. And I left. And so I didn't give up anything. I don't know about a week into Lent. I woke up and I had this pain in my neck. Like, like I slept funny. Like I couldn't move my neck a certain way. So it goes on for a few days. And, and so finally as a practitioner, I'm like, okay, I need to get this checked. So I go to my doc and he checks and I have one hot lymph node on the right side of my neck. So it puts me on antibiotics, really strong antibiotics for 10 days. And it doesn't go away. My neck continues to hurt and everything else. And so I go back to see, and I'll never forget it. April 19th of 2009, 9.15 a.m. It's very powerful when something, when God goes, whoop. so that's when it happened. And I was in that office and I'm sitting on the table and he looked at me and he goes, well, you're a practitioner. He goes, what's your next step? Because he'd had me on antibiotics. I still have the inflamed lymph node. Everything's going on. It's only on one side of my neck. Yeah. And I sat there and I said, you need to do a chest x-ray. He goes, why am I doing that? And I said, because of cancer. He goes, that's right. And I said, you've got to do it here. You've got to do it now. I can't, I am not going to the hospital. Please do this for me. And it was back in the day when the equipment was in the office. And so he did it. And I was standing, I'll never forget it. I was standing in that little cubicle x-ray room with my little, little dress thing on. And I was looking up at the corner of the room, Lydia, and terrified that I had lung cancer, terrified. My knees were shaking. And out of the corner of the room where I'm staring comes a voice. It was very firm, but very loving. That's all I can say. This voice that spoke was extremely firm, but extremely loving and just said, I told you to quit. Now quit. Oh my God. That was it. That was it. I never picked up another cigarette. And I cried like a baby. The doctor walked in and he goes, did you look at your x-rays? Cause I could have read them, but I wouldn't look at them. And I said, no. And he goes, well, you don't have lung cancer yet. He goes, why are you crying? And I said, cause I have to quit smoking. <laughs> he goes, oh my goodness. And so I did. And he called me about three months later and he said, are you still not smoking? I said, I will never smoke again after that event ever. I said, I'll do other things, but I won't smoke. And um, he said, well, tell me again what happened in my x-ray room. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I told him, and he goes, I'm going to go have a come to Jesus meeting. He goes, because I don't know how you quit smoking like that. But it was, I mean, that voice, that voice was a real voice. Oh, my God. And so, so I know, I know the power. That's an amazing story, Darlene. That is an amazing story. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you didn't have it. Well, I, you I listened. know. You listened the third or fourth time. To well, three years, three years later, but the lessons had to get harder. And yeah. if we just listen the first time, and you know what? It's that little intuitive voice inside of us that when we're about to do something, like, I don't know, if you're about to step into an affair or if you're about to get drunk and you've been in recovery for 10 years or whatever, you're about to eat that donut for the, you're the fourth donut when you're 50 pounds overweight and you know that you should be doing that. And that little voice that you hear that says, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. That's what we should listen to. And we have to become strong enough to say, okay, versus giving in to those crazy cravings. Which will eventually. I love what you just said. If we just listen to that little voice when we they said, "Don't do that," 
-hmm. We all know. It's like, and, and, and I heard I heard of a woman who said that she heard this voice. She was driving her car with her daughter, and she heard this this strange voice say to her, "A red truck's going to run that stop sign. Just slow down." And she obeyed it, and sure enough, a red truck ran and crashed into another car, and she wouldn't have been alive if she hadn't heard that. So we have to get in, in touch with our intuition. That's a great a great yeah. thing to work on for our next show. We'll talk. I about would love it. that. Yeah, let's talk about that. How to really key into our intuition and shut the voices out, the noise that's dis disrupting everything mm -hmm. and preventing us from living our fullest life and our dreams. And, you know, it's right now I'm working with somebody that's going through some very difficult times. And I mean, doing things that are going to create a lot more pain for them in the future, a lot more pain. And I'm trying to work with this woman and I'm like, I want you to remember something, the way that you're acting right now and the things that you're doing. We are daughters and sons of a king. Would a, would, would a princess or a prince act like you're acting? Like, I, I, you know, just no, no, they wouldn't. And so, yeah, you know, we have to always keep that in mind. Like we are children of a king. First of all, isn't it bizarre how we, each one of us is, is, if I turned the wrong corner one day, I wouldn't have been born. If my grandma, I just want to end on this because I'm just doing this research on my great grandmother, Callie, mm. who ran away from an abusive alcoholic husband in the hills of, uh, it wasn't Kentucky, it was Colorado. And he beat her. He beat her constantly. And he was having affairs with Indian women, with Native American women. And one day he took a bottle and he started to smash her head in. And she had been planning on leaving him she had a, a steamer trunk down at the railroad depot in Cloudcroft near Alamogordo in the hills of New Mexico. And they lived in a cabin and they had a little tiny train depot. And she would take her children's clothes and put them in this trunk bit by bit. And on the day she left him, she grabbed both her little baby girls, my grandmother Myrtle and my aunt Peggy, my mother's aunt. And they were two and four years old and she left him and she went on the train to the next town, knocked on her mother's door and said, mama, I divorced my husband. And their mother said, no divorced woman will enter my house. You will never cross my threshold. She was so religious. She wouldn't let her in. Oh, see, that's and Callie. I, I mean, my mother wrote this down verbatim for what happened. I found all the emails last week and Callie took the two little girls, got back on that train and took, went to the next town. El Paso, Texas, got a job as a cook in a boarding house, became a world famous chef in that little town. Aww. Everyone came to, to eat her food. And then she became the first policewoman on the vice squad, of, of the first female on the entire police department of El Paso, Texas. How awesome. Years. And I wouldn't have been born if she hadn't, if her mother let her in the house that day, I wouldn't have been born. Isn't that weird? Right. I mean, and that's where you get your, that's where you get your strong strength from. No, from, from the I, I'm a wimp compared to her. I mean, look at these people in those days, the problems they had getting through the day just to exist. And we worry about a fingernail being broken or, you know, the car breaking. Exactly. Down. Right. You know? Exactly. Well, listen, I know that we're going to be, I know that we're going to be closing up here shortly. And I just want to say to everybody that's listening, thank you for tuning in. It's always nice to be able to talk with you. Lydia and I have been doing some talking amongst ourselves offline. 
um, that we're going to start doing this every other week to keep it, to keep it on um, a regular basis for people, because we get so many messages of people that want to listen. And there's so many messages to get out there. So tell your friends, come on back. I don't know what happened to Daniel, but maybe next time we can. I'm going to log off and have Daniel come back on in about five minutes. As soon as I I say goodbye to you. I love you, Darlene. You're the best. I love you too. Okay. Well, listen, have a wonderful evening. We'll chat soon. Thanks everybody for being here. We'll catch up later. Thanks. See See ya. In two weeks. All right. See ya. Bye-bye.